Welcome to the Conversations with Anna podcast. My name is Dr. Anna Stump, the Golden Ticket Professor, a self-proclaimed edutainer. I'm a former business executive turned high school teacher turned college professor. And in the past three decades of that transition, I have spent time with several generations. And with that as my foundation, I have some stories to tell. In each episode, you'll hear stories or interviews that will help you focus on your own truth. I want you to feel accepted, motivated, supported, and then I want you to be able to take what you know about yourself and your truth, go out into this big old world we live in and apply that so you can move forward with a strategy for a more authentic life. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump in to a conversation with Anna. It's early in the day, so much I want to do. I dedicate today to breaking rules. I'm gonna stick to a strategy. I'm gonna find out exactly what I'm made of. Is there really something wrong with just smiling the whole day long? Hi, welcome to episode 16. This conversation with Anna today is eventually gonna get to friendship, but I wanna talk first about the catalyst for why I started and I'm going to talk about friendship today. And it is a quote. And if I tell you that the quote is about shame, you'll probably guess that it was something that came from Brene Brown because she does amazing work around shame and vulnerability and courage. And it is, it's a shame quote, but it also talks about empathy, which is also a trigger word for me because while I would love to tell you that I love people I work with people, I build people up, I coach people, I do this podcast to talk to people about a plethora of good, healthy things for themselves. Empathy is not really my thing. I, it does not come naturally to me, which is odd because it's like it skipped a generation in my household. My mom is truly one of the most empathetic people you will ever meet, and my son is as well. Um, I'm surrounded I just didn't get it. (laughs) But I am very hyper aware of it because I have to be really careful because of my personality and how I come across and my communication style and the fact that I'm, you know, this rebellious, really forthright, blunt person. The people on either side of me, my mom and my son, I can... I can do a lot of damage to if I'm not careful (laughs) Um, because of how empathetic they are. The quote that Brene Brown had on her podcast was talking about if you are feeling shame about something, then that is self-focused, which is true because I mean, very rarely if it's shame, it's not necessarily for other people because that manifests itself in a lot of different ways. Shame is usually an internal dialogue and an internal feeling that you're rationalizing in your mind about yourself. So if you are sitting in with shame, then that is self-focused. And what that does is that takes away from your ability to truly have empathy for other people. And when I think about that in terms of my mom, who's 72 and has lived her life, and I think about the things I've watched unfold for her, I'm not sure I'm on board with that quote necessarily fitting her. I do think in a lot of ways, her empathy is a distractor from what she should be facing in her life. But did you catch the word should? 
I cannot should all over my mom. My mom has lived an entirely wonderful life. She has an amazing daughter and a wonderful grandchild and truly good friends. And she is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. So I can't really put my judgment or pro- project any of my stuff onto her for that. But I do know that her empathy comes at what I understand and view to be an opportunity cost of really working on herself and living in her truth. But she's happy. She's healthy. She is a functioning, kind, wonderful member of society. My son, on the other hand, has this just phenomenal self-image. Like, I'm super jealous, actually, that this kid has an amazing self-image because there are reasons for 14-year-old boys not to have a good self-image or not to have confidence. And honestly, I, as a mom and an educator, who, again, I throw the I'm old and I know things out there, I'm around a lot of different ages and generations and people who've walked different paths, and I find some constants, which is why I started this podcast, right? I find some constants, and one of them is usually people that have the disposition of my child are people who are either completely unwilling to face reality or just have not been tested and have not had to experience um, resilience. They haven't had to dig within themselves and find that. And so as a mom whose job it is to just find things to worry about, that's one thing I worry about. What I have to do is step aside and look at him and think, well, you're 14. Like, goodness gracious, I'm glad you haven't <laughs> to have like a, a lot of resilience in your life. Or I'm glad you haven't had these horrible things happen. And the only thing I can do is continue to lean on the fact that I'm doing my best. He's had his own levels of, you know, struggle and his own levels of challenges where he's had to be resilient and he feels good about himself which is really what we really want for people. I'm not sure he's in his truth, but I'm not even sure what truth looks like when you're 14. So I'm not getting into that with him. But the fact that I'm raising somehow, again, skipped a generation, this empathetic person, I feel really good about because especially when I look outside of my house and at the world today, I think, wow, okay, if I can do one thing right and that's to have somebody who's empathetic, that's really gonna be like, right there on top of the things that I've done right in the world. So I do think this shame being self-focused and causing you not to be empathetic. I worked through that a lot, just thinking about different people and looking at myself and thinking about all those things. But then I was talking to Kevin because he's getting ready for the school year and he's kind of still lamenting the fact that he didn't get to like end the school year the way that he likes to, because for whatever reason, and I remember being this way a little bit, Um, I think it's different for junior high teachers. He really loves, and so do his colleagues, these end-of-the-year speeches. Um, And he didn't get to give his end-of-the-year speech, and things were, you know, crazy. So I said, well, like, what's the one thing that's your big thing to impart on these kids? And he said, I think it's my five friends talk. And I was like, oh, yeah. Because Kevin does this thing with his students where he talks about everybody is a reflection of their five closest friends. And I think that's phenomenal because you really, I think at that age, are not impartial when you look at your friends and, you know, you don't think about it as being an extension of yourself and that type of stuff. He said that. And I started thinking about like, the shame and the empathy thing. And I started really kind of sitting with that. 
Then I ended up doing some research because if you remember back in episode two, and it's probably honestly one of my guiding principles with this podcast is to constantly remind you that you need to be your own best friend. You need to talk to yourself the way you would talk to your best friend. You need to love yourself the way you would love your best friend. You need to lift yourself up the way you would lift up your best friend. You need to give yourself grace the way that you would your best friend. And you really should be your very best friend. So if that's the approach, when we look at what Kevin tells these 12-year-olds, and you're a reflection of your five closest friends, you're really saying that one of those five is me, And these other people that I've collected over my lifetime, because you guys are older and know things too. You're not all 14, 12, like, you know, these junior high kids. How are you collecting people, letting them in, building your tribe as a reflection of how you feel about yourself? And we can't always look at ourselves effectively. We're not very good at that. And I think if you're not living in your truth, you tend to take the easy way out and look to other people all the time. You pay more attention to other people. You listen to other people. You believe other people. You trust other people more than yourself because you don't believe in yourself yet. You're not there with yourself yet. So we're connected to others a little more if we don't have a good, strong connection to ourselves. So to me, this original friendship of, with yourself is the one you have to honor And it's also the one you have to take a really hard look at. Because if you are not in love, in belief, in trust, respecting, and believing in yourself, you are going to surround yourself with people who are also not doing that for themselves. And that does not necessarily make healthy relationships. It's when you start to get into your truth and you start to put yourself first and love yourself and do those things that you will start to realize the freedom in that and you are going to want to protect the belonging. You're going to want to think of true belonging, how you will give yourself to your friends or other people in your relationship because you realize the gift that you are. And I've said this on the podcast before too, like when you get older, you get a little more protective of how you give your time and energy. And I think your tribe gets smaller. And I remember, you know, even when social media first came out and like my niece had 2000 friends, I I use the quotation marks with that because I'm like, those are really not your friends. And, you know, but it was more about collecting than the quantity over the quality and those types of things. And I look at myself today and I think, you know, honestly, the best thing I've ever done for myself and probably the people in my life today is that I started digging deep. I started asking myself a lot of why questions. Why am I this way? It's why, you know, I talk about these personality assessments and these things that are not necessarily how I define myself. It just gives me a vernacular. It gives me some words. It gives me some ways to convey to other people how I am. It also gives me the freedom and a signal to see if other people care to know how I am. Because the people that I let in, my good friends and our good couple friends and the people that I count on that are in my true tribe right now know me probably better than I know myself. But that's because I'm happy with myself and I'm trusting myself. I'm true to myself and I just show them myself. So there are times when a friend will say, you know, you have a real habit for X, Y, and Z. And I think, no, I did not know I had a habit for that. But I'm so glad you could see that 
Because guess what? If I wasn't showing them who I really was, they A, wouldn't have noticed my habit and B, would have never said anything to me. That's the level of true, authentic friendship that I want in my life. Those are the people I will make room for. Those are the people I get excited to see. They're the people that I'm invigorated after I've spent time with them. These are good, positive, healthy relationships where everyone shows up truly and authentically and cares about other people. That is so easy to say. It is really hard to do. And I think we have to think about healthy relationships, friendships, whatever kind of relationship we want to talk about here. The the true equation for that is you have to know yourself. You have to know yourself. You have to, to understand yourself. You have to love yourself. So once you know yourself, then you are open to truly being known. You will let other people see what's inside of you because you're good with it. You're comfortable with it. I'm not saying by any means you're perfect, but you know who you are and you're happy for other people to know who you are. Then you trust the other people. And do you make mistakes? Yes. Do you hand away trust and it gets violated? Yes. Do you have to be an adult person and walk away from that? Yes. Does that get stickier when you're a couple and it only happens on one side of the the couple? Oh, yes. Lots of of toxic, you know, side effects from some of those things. But once you know and you can be known and you trust, then you can rely on others, which is the commitment. And I know this sounds like I'm asking everyone to enter into some kind of a blood oath with their friends or whatever. That's not it. That's not it. But I think back stories about John McCain. I I have an aunt who in the 60s bought uh, bracelets for POWs. I think that was very prevalent back then during the war. And she happens to have John McCain's POW bracelet which is a fantastic memento. She gave it to my husband and it it sits in our house and I see it a lot. So I think about him. um, I think about going back through interviews and photos and things when he was running for office and he had done this interview and I'm going to paraphrase it because I won't get it all perfectly, but he talks about when he was a prisoner of war and the first thing they do with you when you're a prisoner of war is they put you in some form of isolation. So he's in this tiny little cell And, you know, he's like, it wasn't necessarily the water or the consistent food or even the sunlight that I missed. It was the, the horror of isolation. No one to look into their eyes. You don't have anyone say your name. It was just a lot to wear. And they do that on purpose, right? That is mental um, torture to be isolated like that. And he said it wasn't until they put someone next to him that they figured out how to um, communicate, probably Morse code or something. I don't know. But he said he will never forget when the guy asked him, what's your name? And he said, you know, J-O-H-N. And the guy spelled his name back. And then he said, hello, John. And he goes, I just remember weeping. Because we are not (laughs) made for isolation. That is not human nature. But we are also not made to be social in the wrong way. And we are not made to go out and try and have relationships that detract from or add to the fact that we have not got the right relationship with ourselves. 
So we have to be very careful about where we sit with ourselves and what we're ready for. And I think back about episode six and seven with Ashley, when she talked about her backpack and she was carrying in her backpack, her trauma and her shame and all the bad things that had happened to her and how heavy it was. And Ashley was having such a hard time carrying just her backpack that she couldn't walk next to anyone. She couldn't have conversations, like she couldn't have a lot of meaning and anything else in her life because she was so exhausted from carrying this backpack. And once she started to unpack the backpack and deal with everything, now she's got like, you know, she's got her hiking sack and it's full of resources. And now she's not just walking around with her baggage. She's handing out things. You know, I think she was joking, like now I'm on the mountaintop and I've got snacks and granola bars and water. I got whatever you need up here. Go Gert, whatever you need. I got it for you. Right? Like now she's just this person who is so able to have empathy and engage. She's now this really gregarious, fun extrovert. And that's just happened in the last few years that she had all this therapy and she's accepted herself. And I look at that little metamorphosis that she made that some people take decades. And honestly, I have people in my life that are never going to get there because they just aren't making eye contact with a lot of things. But she she is my case study. And I talk about her a lot. I know that. But she's done this major, major work in such a short time that I think it's just a perfect way for us to look at how transformative it can be for you to really dig deep and find these things out about yourself. Because here's what it is. You are either going to walk with yourself in your truth and walk inside of your story as a main character or you are going to stand outside of your story and not understand the worthiness of it. You're going to be a spectator. And that is not what I want for you. You have to love yourself before you can interact with people authentically. Because if you do not love yourself, you are going to start interacting with people for validation. And you are going to be taking really unhealthy things from that friendship and relationship that is not make it an authentic relationship. And when you live in a persona or into yourself in, in a way that is not true, you are taxing your energy and your emotions. You truly have nothing to give, which means you're taking everything. And more than likely, the person that is willing to have that transaction with you is in the same place. And you two are in some sort of a real destructive cycle and don't realize it. And even if it's not that bad, like even if it's a lot of just surface level stuff, it's causing you to not be present. So let me tell you what that looks like, because, you know, I love a good story. And Kylie, who's the one who did my um, 16 personality factors assessment in episode 14, Kylie works for a sales organization and her company has a podcast and she got a hold of me a few weeks ago and she said, Hey, we're having on this guy who is with the NFL and he's done all this cool stuff. I think it was like Navy SEAL or something like that, but it, just fascinating guy. 
And she's like, you should listen to this. It's a two-part series. Well, the first one was really good. Um, I posted it in the Conversations with Anna um, Facebook group because I was like, it's for people in sales, but everyone learns something from this. Well, part two was up. Um, and again, it's like finding the sales flow or, you know, it's, it's, it has to do with people in the sales industry. But I listened to this and man, it hit me because he talks about being in a high functioning state of mind and how you get into a flow and what flow means. And then how do you apply that to your sales practice? But I listened to this with a completely different lens because the things I'm talking about in this conversation with you right now, is kind of what was heavy on my heart. And he talks about like your preparation, your mindset, all of these things. And he gives this phenomenal analogy of if you were walking through your life and we took a video and we were doing 120 frames per second of your video. And that's how you, we would go back and watch this. And he said, if you are not listening to to understand, but listening to respond, or if someone's talking and you're like not fully there, or if, and I'm going to relate this to things I've talked about. So let's go back to our past conversations. If you're in your 120 frame video, but we go back to episode 11 and we think about imposter syndrome and the whole time you are engaged in your 120 frames per second or minute, whatever the 120 frame video is, um, your imposter syndrome is kicked in. You're actually not at 120 frames. You're at about 60 because you cannot give full effort to what you need to be present for because you're worried with your self-talk that you're going to get exposed as a fraud or If you're doing things because it looks good or you're friends with somebody because they make you feel like fun times or whatever it could be, that again is going to detract from you being fully present and you're not going to be 120 frames. But what if you have imposter syndrome from episode 11 and you're doing things for how they look in episode two, that's dropped you down to like 20 frames per second. What if you're a people pleaser? And you don't have good, healthy boundaries. So what if you're actually hanging out with somebody who you were dreading being with because you know how they're going to make you feel, and then you showed up and things weren't at all what you were expecting because you didn't set expectations and you have unhealthy boundaries and this person takes advantage of you. Like you knew all of this stuff, but you showed up anyway. And then you're sitting there and you are feeling bad about yourself. You're feeling remorseful about all. Now you're down to, again, 20 frames. All of these things that you are doing internally while you're supposed to be being present with these relationships are causing you not to recognize the fact that these might not be healthy, positive relationships. And you don't recognize that because you don't even have a healthy, positive relationship with the person that matters the most, and that's yourself. So when I tell you, you have got to bring your self-worth into these relationships, that your connection with yourself is the first and foremost important thing because your connection with yourself is going to set the tone and be a reflection how you connect with other people. So if you don't love yourself, if you don't believe in yourself, if you aren't living in your truth, you are going to be friends with people who are also in a state of personal chaos. And you are not going to have a good connected life you are not building a good foundation. So you really have to check in with yourself and figure out what matters the most. What am I spending my time on? 
And if you find out that you're spending your time and energy and resources in a bunch of drama or gossip or, you know, things with other people or these friends or whatever it might be, then there is a red flag for you. Because being and doing is who we are. But doing comes from being. So to give you a story about that, if you're spending your time loving on your family, doing healthy things, taking care of your house, like if you're taking care of your responsibilities, you're being responsible. That's also sometimes sabotage because you can trick yourself into thinking just everybody needs me. I'm so busy because staying busy and being busy is sometimes often a distractor that you're, you know, you're using instead of really being where you want to be. And I really want to drive home some things. I have said things about, you know, being in love with yourself and understanding yourself and all this. We hear a lot of these things, self-love, self-awareness, self-help, self-worth, self-work. And those all start with self. And you know what's bad is we'll do things like, I'm going to go take a bath. And I'm going to love on myself with that tonight. No, that's a bath. That's not self-worth or self-work or all these other things. But we start real small with little tiny things and we put it in the self, you know, love category, which is good because you probably deserve that bath. But you don't, I mean, I guess I'm using that as an analogy because I'm chasing a 14-year-old boy around all summer begging him to bathe. But, you know, it's, that's, that's good. You should take some time for yourself. But you shouldn't have to justify it as self-love. Because let me tell you what all these things, even though they start with the word self, what they aren't is selfish. You have to do this work with yourself, whether it's on your own, whether it's with a journal, whether you talk through it with somebody else, whether you do it through therapy, whatever it is to get you to the point where you feel like the most true, authentic version of yourself that you are happy with, then you can start to show up for others. But until then, you cannot recognize whole people unless you're whole. And if you're not whole, you're going to invite a bunch of fractioned people into your life and you are never going to get healthy because I want to take you back to episode seven, that story that Ashley told about the farmer's market and the old man telling her the story about the crabs and how the crab tries to climb out of the pot of boiling water, but the other crabs grab onto them and pull them down. I have had those friendships in my life. I've had those people in my life that unfortunately gave me a a setback in really working on myself. But I was lucky that while I was in this toxic friendship that was revolved around a lot of just toxic gossip, negativity, And next episode is going to be about narcissists and, um, and codependency, because that's really what I got into with this friendship. And I was fortunate enough to have really solid work colleagues and I had positivity in my life and I had a growing self worth. And when I finally got to the point, then I could take a look at this friendship and be like, I do not like how I act when I'm with this person. I don't like how we act when we're together. I don't want this. And had to break up, which when you're like 44, an adult person, and you've got friends that are like a family, it's not easy. But I will tell you, 
without conflict like that, without that type of sacrifice and hard work, there's no trust. And I had to test myself. I had to love myself enough to say, look, this has become an immovable force. This has become a problem. This has become something you can either accept, which is giving up a little bit of yourself, or we can let this conflict show that I am there for myself unconditionally And there are benefits to that. And honestly, it was hard, but that's when we learn lessons, right? That's when we know things. So I think I have a much happier group of friends. I am far more selective on who I give my time and energy to. And it's not even that I'm snobby or, you know, hard to get to know. I'll make time. And I've said this a lot. If you want to meet me halfway, I'm going to show up for you. If you have a question or you want part of my time, show me you're doing some work. Show me the how you got there. I'll be there for you. And then it's up to me to decide how am I going to react to this and how am I going to let it into my life? So trust is really the most important ingredient in any relationship. That includes the one you have with yourself. So just if you can't trust yourself, if you haven't tested yourself, if you're not resilient, and haven't shown your to give sacrifices and do hard works on behalf of yourself, then you can't trust in how you manage your instincts. And that goes back to like people talking. We had this um, conversation in the um, Facebook group about trusting your instincts and trusting your gut and listening to that. And some people are really good at that. And other people are like, yeah, I don't know if that works for me. They've not tested it enough. They really have not tested it enough. And they're not willing to take a risk on themselves. That's kind of what it boils down to. There's a lot more to it from them than that, obviously. And we can't uh, apply that to every scenario. But you cannot benefit fully from these relationships unless you feel love and trust. And that has got to start inside. And being alone in the healthy ways, right? And understanding what that looks like and how you're able to communicate. Because there are people who can be in a room full of people and still feel lonely. Because loneliness does not come from like not having people around you. It comes from not being able to communicate things that matter. That's a Carl Jung uh, quote. It's Carl you know, Jung teaching. But you can be lonely and surrounded by, you know, roomfuls of people. But if you're not being authentic and you can't communicate and you're not being vulnerable, which sometimes comes hard for all of us. But in this podcast that Brene Brown did about togetherness and different things, she talked about how mutual vulnerability, how important it is. And she talked about it like a thickening agent in a relationship. And the first thing I thought of was cornstarch because, you know, I'm quite the, I'm quite the um, budding chef, I guess, if it's Instapot. Um, but I think about multi- mutual vulnerability. It's hard for me to say those two words together for some reason, probably because I'm not that good at it. Um, mutual vulnerability is like a thickening agent with people. So if you feel good being vulnerable and you can do that with people, they will feel that way too. And then you are at a whole new level of friendship and trust and relationship. And do you know what happens? Do you know what happens when you walk into a healthy, mutually vulnerable, open relationship with a good friend? 
is you feel so much better because you know what you think? This person is so awesome. Like they have it together. They're smart and they look me in the eye and they take me for who I am. And I mean, if that person loves me, how could I be wrong loving myself? We're almost back to square one again with where I started this podcast and what I want for all of you. And that is start with yourself. Start with yourself. Don't give time to your friends. Don't continue on down self-destructive paths, unhealthy paths, paths of not destruction, but distraction. I think that's the problem is we get too distracted with the phones and the drama and the news and the unhealthy friendships and the surface friendships and the acquaintances and the whatever you get distracted easily away from yourself. And I think that's a real issue with how easy it is to take the focus off of ourselves. But if you aren't feeling like you are happy with yourself, where you need to be, ready to do the work, then I wouldn't start, you know, looking at your friends like which one of you's got to go because that's not going to be healthy either. Um, But you have to really get there with yourself and you have to think about how am I either using these friendships to keep me where I'm at or how am I getting through to those to get to the other side, whatever that looks like. But I think that we go back, I'm going to close with the same quote that I talked about at the beginning. Shame is self-focus and it erodes our ability to have empathy for others. So we have shame for whatever reason takes away from our ability to have empathy for others. So I think about that in terms of people who are feeling shame about a struggle that they have or a problem. So it could be they feel shame because of a dangerous path that they're on. I think about people that are alcoholics. I think about narcissists. I think about people that are codependent. I think about people that have shame for whatever it is in their mind that they have shame for. And it's taken away their ability to see other people's sides of things, to understand the gifts that people give, because they're not willing to look in the mirror and realize they have their own gifts. So lots of different levels of this, obviously, lots of different places this can go. But I feel like I got a lot of feedback from the very first few episodes of this. And a lot of people that got a hold of me said, you know, be your own best friend. That was the most impactful thing. So I thought I really owed it to that spirit and that that theme to come back and talk about friendships. But this is kind of opening the door for the next episode because I want to talk about codependency and narcissism and how those things work together. I've been doing a lot of research on those two things for lots of different reasons, but I'm going to end with one story that is a big breakthrough. Um, And I had a moment of that I was being tested (laughs) this week and ordinarily when this person triggers me, I kind of spiral out of control in terms of my reaction to things. And by spiral out of control, really what I'm doing in essence is just giving it up. And I received an apology that started with, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way. 
and it came as a text message. And I'm proud to tell you that I can't tell you what the rest of the text message said. I got through those few words. I'm sorry that you feel that way. And you know, it was coming a big old butt. And I was like, no, 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 that's a, that's not an apology. And B, that's not going to go well with me. Because I think about my personality and I think about what I know about myself and I think about all those things. I'm not going to engage in this behavior. So I can tell you this. I know that that person is sorry for how I feel. (laughs) But I don't know anything else after that because I made a choice. My, myself, I am worth more than reading the rest of those words. And it doesn't matter what came after it. It does not take away from the fact that I could either react or respond. And I chose to react by not responding and not even reading it and not giving that person any more airtime. And I'm a 100% work in progress every single day. And that was big for me. It was big for me not to get into the fight. Because I'm a fighter. I I think I used this in... um, last week's episode about somebody said, you know, I wish you were here with your elbows swinging, you know, fighting for this. And I think, Ooh, yeah. You know, cause that's kind of who I am for people, including the people I love and myself, but I'm sorry that you feel that way started me knowing whatever was coming after that was not going to be good for me. And I really just can't care because that is more about that person than it is me. And I just deleted that text and walked away. It's all good. It's all good. I'm okay. That relationship's better. I had a better quality of life that evening because I wasn't stopping what I was doing and being present for something that was never going to have a good outcome. And I am riding that victory. (laughs) I am having my adult person moment in that and sharing it and speaking it out loud to tell you, it doesn't matter how they got there. It doesn't matter what they say, what they do. There's no amount of it that matters if you really are being true to yourself. And if you care enough about yourself not to let it in, just don't let it in circle of control. So that's my wish for you guys this week. I hope that there was something helpful in this conversation, something where you felt seen, something where you felt like you had information and inspiration that can take you on a better journey. And again, as always, if this was helpful, I would love for you to leave feedback or get a hold of me. Come join us in the Facebook group. We still don't have enough people. Uh, We would love to have more of you come join the Conversations with Anna Facebook group. Share this with people that you think will matter. I have a couple of episodes planned, but I got a great tip um, from somebody on LinkedIn who sent me a message and said, could you please do a podcast episode on the following two things? So I have quite a list going, but I would love to hear from you all. Because when I get ideas for these podcast episodes, I just start going and researching and then I, you know, it's so energizing for me. So thank you again for joining me for this conversation. I hope it was a meaningful one.